Hey, this is Lauren Hargrove, co-pastor of Gravetop Church with the Revive Moms podcast. I hope this message makes a difference in your life and truly revives your soul. Enjoy. Title is Giving My All. Giving My All. And so it's the season of giving. Christmas is around the corner. Many of us are giving our all. We are frantically trying to find the perfect gifts for our kids and loved ones without breaking the bank. We're planning Christmas parties maybe, meals, when to clean, work life, and much more. We're, we're, we're juggling it all. And we're trying so hard to give our all to ensure that our kids and everyone around us are happy and well taken care of. Or maybe for some of you, Christmas is a little different this year. You know, it may not be that for you. I've had years where it's totally opposite. Maybe it's one of those Christmases where finances are low and presents are not easy to come by. Just a couple years ago, that was our Christmas. We barely had anything to give to our kids and we were trying everything that we could to make it still special. Maybe the dinner table will be quiet because family won't be around. Maybe you're giving your all to still somehow create something magical for Christmas without all the glimmer and laughter. You're giving your all and sometimes it may not feel like it's enough. You want so badly to be superwoman 24-7, have all the energy and patience in the world, be the best mom, the best wife, and everything else. But some days it's just hard to do it all. You're giving your all but it still feels like it's not enough sometimes. And, you know, I felt like this yesterday, honestly. It was kind of one of those days. And um, uh, Homer and I, there's certain days that he'll he'll stay home um, and uh, work on church message since we have Sunday church. And so he'll prepare the message and I'll take the girls with me and go do something fun or something we have to do. And then vice versa, he'll do that on Thursdays for me. And little Homer will nap. And it's just the time that works for us in this season. And yesterday I was like, okay, girls, we're going to go really quick to go buy white elephant gifts. That should be easy and quick. And then after that, I'm going to take you to the park. Well, you know how when you have kids, it just doesn't always go as planned. And I love to like take them to have a good time and spend quality time with them. And going shopping with them is crazy. Okay, so I take them and we had to go just to two stores and it took forever. And they were literally just yelling, running everywhere, not listening at all. And by the time we got in the car, like, okay, we're going to the park. And I kept telling him, if you want to go to the park, you need to behave. (laughs) Nothing works. It works for like a second. And then they go back to literally chasing each other to the nearest trash can in Sephora and stomping on it and taking all the lipsticks off of the shelf. And I couldn't like shop. Right. And so, you know, I get in the car and I realize it's already late. It's close to lunchtime. They're having one of those days where they're really not listening and I have to pee really bad and I'm actually really overwhelmed right now. And I felt really bad. I was like, babe, I need to take them to the park. I told them, I don't want to let them down. But I also think it's one of those days where I just need to bring them home, feed them and let them have an early nap because they're tired and all this kind of stuff. And so I know, you know, that's just a random story, but it really, you know, as a mom, sometimes it's like a simple moment, right? And Homer, you know, encouraged me like, well, do what you want, but you can come home and it's okay. And I ended up bringing him home, but I felt so defeated. I was like, I'm trying to give you my all. I want to just give you a good time. And I just felt so overwhelmed and I felt so bad that I chose not to take him to the park, even though I said I was. And I rarely, you know, do that. Like I, if I tell him or I try to keep my word even to my kids, but 
it was just so overwhelming. And at that moment, I remember the end of the day, the whole day went by. They were fine. We had fun still. And I'm taking a shower and I'm like, God, I feel so bad. I could cry. Like I felt so bad that I didn't take them to the park. But God, I felt like reminded me that you are giving your all and what you're giving is good. You are doing a good job. And it just made me think of so many of us and like, um, as mothers, as women trying to do it all, trying to be all, and maybe sometimes we just need a break. And maybe sometimes we didn't get to do all the things we intended to do, but that doesn't mean you're a bad mom. You know, I, I, I feel like he said he wanted us to be encouraged today to know that we are trying our best and that is enough. You are an amazing mother and your kids are blessed to have you. And so be encouraged to know that when you're giving your all, that's all God is asking you to give. And you have to give yourself some grace in those times where you need a break. But I also want to go deeper into this concept of giving it all. You know, I was thinking about this concept a lot this week. What does it really mean to give our all? The words that came to my mind were sacrifice, selflessness, being inconvenienced for a good cause, humility, caring for the needs of others over self, going out of your way to show love, going the extra mile to put a smile on your kid's face, and so on. And then I thought about it some more, and I realized that our culture seems to be against this concept. Our culture is teaching us all about self-love, denying others love if they don't agree with your political opinions or your life philosophies, setting up boundaries so that others don't kill your vibe, cutting people out of our lives if they happen to offend you in any way, and so on. Our culture is all about loving oneself and not about loving others. So the thought of loving others sacrificially and selflessly has become a negative connotation in our culture today, when truthfully it is a beautiful and positive concept that Jesus teaches. We weren't meant to live a life that pleases ourselves. We were meant to live a life that loves and serves others. And I feel like becoming a mother naturally gives us the opportunity to truly learn what it means to love and serve others like Jesus. It starts at home. It starts with our kids and our spouse, and then it naturally pours out into every other area of our life. Giving our all is not a negative thing. It's truly amazing. Are there times where we need to step back and refill ourselves? Yes. Rest, lean on Jesus, and even say no to certain things? Of course. But our lifestyle as a Christian should be a lifestyle of giving. And when you truly begin to live a lifestyle of giving and serving others, you truly begin to feel fulfilled. And I remember for me, when I began serving in uh Back in the day when I first gave my life to Christ, which was in 2008, that's when I truly committed my life to Christ, I began going to a church. I was there for two years and started going to Bible studies, and then I, I found this uh, a new church where I began to go to Bible, Bible college there, and um, I loved it. And there was a point where I began to serve in my church that I was a part of. I stopped just going and consuming what they took time to give us which is what they do. You know, pastors, they take time to give you the word. It takes so much time and effort to give what we give and give uh, people 
that go to church what they are looking for. And one day I had an overwhelming desire to give back. And I remember I was a part of this Bible study outside of the church. I mean, on a separate day and it was for women and I loved it so much. And it was called Indulge and the Bible study leader. She was like this gourmet chef. She would literally cook a three course meal, not just some spaghetti and meatballs, like literally like restaurant style, like uh, stuffed mushrooms. Like I don't even know, butternut squash soup with lavender iced tea. Like it was crazy, like three course meal for over 40 plus women that would go. And we, she would serve us, she would feed us, then she would give us the word that she prepare, prepare, prepared for us. And she would pray before in the whole house after cooking and everything. And then everybody would leave week after week. And she was the only one there to clean up all the dishes by herself. Never did she ask for help. Never did she ever think or ask, I had a long day, I did all of this. And maybe someone will help. She did it with such a selfless and serving heart. And I went week after week, never thought about it. And one day God showed me and, and spoke to my heart, go in that kitchen and just start washing dishes. Don't even ask her because you know she's going to say no. And I started washing dishes and I felt joy. I mean, how many of us like washing dishes? I'm sure it's not our favorite thing. But the reason I felt like God gave me joy in that moment is because it felt so good to serve her and to give back after week after week, she poured out her heart, her resources, her life, her energy, everything to simply serve us. And I began doing that each week. And, and after I began doing that and I was obedient to like, you know, God putting that on my heart, she began to form a leadership team and she began to delegate responsibilities. Hey, you're in charge of this. You're in charge of this. You're in charge of this. And her ministry began to grow and really flourish because she was no longer having to carry every single weight on top of her, but she was able to focus on, you know, like the spiritual aspect. And so many people were willing and wanted to be a part. And I know that's like a totally different tangent in this intro to our message today is a little bit longer, but I just felt so many points on this topic that I'm going to really dissect in here just a second. But that moment really changed my perspective about church, but not just church, but serving other people in love. And I felt so much more fulfilled being a part and contributing than just sitting there and taking it all in week after week. I loved being able to be a part of that ministry much more. And this message is not a ruse to say, hey, y'all come serve at our church. It's really just the heart of, you know, Jesus and serving in any area of your life starting at home. You know, there's something powerful that happens when we begin giving our all. You might imagine yourself feeling more tired and depleted, but just the opposite happens. You receive this energy, excitement, and passion that is for a far greater purpose than just serving yourself. So whether you're giving your all for your children, your family, or surrounding communities that you're a part of, know that you are making a difference and your reward is surely awaiting you in heaven. And so today we are talking about giving our all, but let's talk about three points real quick. The first one is serving. The second one is twisted culture. And the last one is don't forget Jesus. So the first one, let's get into this real quick. Serving. 
I'm going to read uh, this first verse in Matthew 20, 25 through 28. It says, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you first must be a servant. And whoever wants to f uh, be first among you first must become a slave. Sorry, I butchered that. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. You know, this verse was actually one of my favorite verses when I first uh, came across it when I was younger um, in my faith. You know, Jesus being the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, like the, all that in a bag of chips, like he is the king of the universe. He chose to serve us. He had every reason to come to earth and expect to be served hand and foot. But instead he chose to serve us. He chose to serve the ones who worshiped him and loved him and the ones who hated him, called him names and nailed him to the cross. He loved those who loved him and those who hated him. What a powerful display of his sacrificial love. And Jesus calls us to serve as he has served us. But to serve others, it truly takes dying to ourselves. It takes humility and sacrifice. The days that you feel frustrated with the mundane tasks of washing dishes, washing clothes, cleaning toys, vacuuming all the goldfish, going grocery shopping again, dropping the kids off and picking them up, cooking again after just finishing the dishes from lunch. These are acts of serving. You know, you might hear this message like, okay, what do you mean serve where? But as a mother, I know y'all do many other things. What you're doing for your kids and your family and your household on a daily basis is serving like Christ has called us to serve. You're serving your children and family, even in these mundane and even frustrating tasks. It may not seem like much, but it is. And God sees your hard work, even when others don't. He sees your heart to cook for your children a wholesome meal, even when they don't touch it and your dog enjoys it instead. He sees the times you take your kids to the park, even when you're exhausted and you'd rather put on a show and just sit there, which is also okay, moms, when you need to. He sees the times when you choose to play dolls or dinosaurs with your kids while deciding to put off dishes just to have that moment with them. These two are acts of serving. You are catering to your family and children's needs in your everyday tasks. It's not just in the big acts of singing on a Sunday morning as you lead worship or serving at your nearest homeless shelter, but it's right in your own home. You are following the example of Jesus every day, and it's not easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus to sacrifice his life and give it all for us, but he did. And why did he do it? Because love was his motivation. And as moms, our motivation is love when we love our children and give it all, even when it takes every single ounce of our strength. And know that all that you're giving is not in vain. I'm going to share a couple of verses as we end this point. John 13, 14 through 17, it says, And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. 
I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I mean, this verse is simply saying, just as Jesus did, he came and washed our feet. The disciple, the king of kings, the one who deserved us to bow down and worship him, he bowed down, got on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. And he's saying, do as I have done. And it says, God will bless you for doing them. Second Timothy 4, 6 through 8 says, as for me, this is Paul talking. He says, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. And when I first um, was putting this message together, I was going to name it uh, poured out, um, something like that, because this verse really came to mind. I mean, there's days as a, as a mother, as a woman, where we feel like we're literally pouring out every ounce of what we have and what we are, and we feel empty. But Paul is saying, I have poured out my life as an offering. The time of my death is near, he said. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And the reason I share this verse is because Paul recognized that his life was something that he was going to pour out as an offering to God. He was going to give every ounce that he had to honor God, to serve others, and to follow his example. In Luke 9, 23 through 25, it says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? You know, this verse is um, also powerful, but at the end of the day, it's saying as we follow Christ that it's, it's sometimes every day we're literally taking up a cross. It's hard. But it is worth it, and it does not go in vain. In John 4:34, last verse, it says, Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. There, there's, this verse is coming from a point where his, Jesus was going and doing ministry everywhere, praying for people, healing people. He was going, 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 giving all he had to the point where the disciples stopped him and said, you need to eat something. You haven't even eaten. You need nourishment in order to continue. And he stopped and said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. He was crazy. You know, I mean, in a good way, right? He was like, no, I don't need no subway right now. He's like, my nourishment, my energy is coming from doing the will of God. He was so fulfilled by simply doing the will of God. I'm not telling any of us here to not eat and just find all these things to do for God, but it's the point of his heart is that he was so uh, passionate about serving and doing what God's called him to do. And it is, uh, as I end this uh, point about serving, it made me think of how does this tie in as a mother? You know, it is our responsibility as Christian mothers to teach our kids the heart of serving before the world teaches them the lie of selfishness. One of the biggest ways we can teach our children is truly by our example. In the times that we serve God in any such way, 
take time to simply explain what you're doing and why you're doing it because your kids will see your example and they will learn selflessness and serving rather than everything that our world is promoting. I mean, honestly, if you stop and think about it, what is it promoting? It's all about yourself. It's not about loving your neighbor. So it is our job, especially right now in our day and age, I sound old, but to teach them and, you know, uh, and doing it by example and sharing no matter how young they are. You know, recently we took um, uh, some food to a friend of ours who just had their first baby. And y'all know how that is. First baby, I mean, any baby really, but it's hard to cook, let alone shower, right? So um, uh, we made a homemade meal and went over there and took it and we took the girls with us. And, and I just, I was like, you know what? This is a perfect moment. Instead of just going and coming back and not saying anything of teaching our kids what and why we're doing. And I turned around as we were driving over there and said, Joy and Jules, you know why we're doing this? Because they had a baby and God wants us to love you know, our, our, our neighbor to love our people that, uh, are a part of our lives and do nice things for them. And I went on to explain the whole situation and what we're doing. And I remember they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, three and two, like super cute, but they, they understood never doubt, no matter how old or young they are, they're listening and they're learning. And when you even take time to teach them, it will be something that really, uh, molds their character as young people. And so serving, let's go on to our second point. And I know today might be a little bit, uh, seem a little bit longer, but I pray that you bear with me. And I pray that this truly um, speaks to your heart today. And twisted culture is our second point. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You know, look around in our culture. What do you see? I see a twisted culture of self-love and hatred for others. And it honestly makes my heart sick and even nauseous at times. Our culture has taken what is good and has called it evil and has taken what is evil and has called it good. And the Bible warns us about this exactly and it's happening. As Christians, we must have our eyes open to what's going on in order to guard ourselves and our children from the influence of this world. There is a real, real world, real war going on in the spiritual world. Evil is fighting against good. And if the enemy can deceive us, he will. We must not get stuck in the lies of this culture. We must be sober minded and alert. And we must do our part to study and learn the word of God for ourselves and for our family. You know, it's easy to be influenced by what every politician says. Every advertisement, all the propaganda, these lies are painted to appear as pretty little truths. But my point is in sharing this is to guard yourselves and your family from the negative influence of this world. It is important to guard even what our children watch. Like, I think we've talked about it before, but some of these little innocent shows that are on Netflix and stuff, I realized like, you know, as I kind of glimpse over sometimes and listen, I'm like, what are they saying? Like, I've literally gone and like taken it off of recently watched because I don't want my kids watching certain little cartoons that are um, trying to literally implement these negative things for them to learn and grow up with. Like, you know, I could give examples, but I won't. But it was, I, it's very surprising. So guarding what they watch, the cartoons, um, and guarding what they're exposed to, whatever that looks like. And sometimes 
that might even mean certain family members you know as a parent it is our job to protect and guard and even for me this week i was like you know what there are certain family members right now that even when i'm there like i could never unfortunately trust them to babysit my kid because of the way that they talk the way that they act the way that they even treat them you know it is our job to protect them from things like that and to teach them what is good and what is not if not the world will easily show them their ways so let us guard our children, our homes, and teach them the heart of love and servanthood that Jesus gives us. And I'll end this point with two verses. Second Timothy 3, 2-5 says, For people will love only themselves and their money. It's talking about the end times. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Like that verse is pretty hardcore, but it's literally talking about in the end times or in this culture, this twisted culture. And if you, when I read this verse, I honestly feel like that's what I see right now. People hating each other, people being ungrateful and unloving. Does that mean everyone? No, obviously all of us here are not like that. And there's so many good, God-loving, legit people full in this world. But if you look around, you see this and it is so important to protect the influence of this kind of um, behavior, uh, what you, whatever you like to call it. And it says, stay away from people like that. Protect you and your family from that. And Philippians 2, 14 through 17 says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one will criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. He says again, he's pouring his life out as an offering to God. He says, live as bright lights in the midst of all of this crookedness and wickedness in our world. And so twisted culture. Ending on this point, don't forget Jesus. Don't forget Jesus. You know, it's easy sometimes to get lost in serving and doing and working that we forget who we're serving. And that's Jesus. I know for me, I can definitely get caught up in serving God, preparing for church, all the kinds of ministry tasks that we have and ordinary tasks that I find myself overwhelmed and empty. And I'm quickly reminded each time that it is Jesus that I need. You know, I'm serving Jesus. I'm doing all this church stuff, you know, we're, or, you know, family stuff, whatever it is, right? Just preparing, doing all this. But have I had personal time with Jesus? After all, I'm doing all of this to bring him glory, right? You know, being a, mon a mother and a minister is all for the glory of God, to reveal Jesus to those we serve and to love my kids and family with all the love that Jesus gives me. 
But, you know, it made me think about Christmas time specifically, and especially with Christmas approaching. Many of us are overwhelmed with the to-do list, the shopping list, the schedules, and much more. And it's easy to become frustrated and burnt out during a season that should be filled with joy and peace. And in the midst of the craziness, we have to learn to stop. And not just stop when everything calms down, but right in the middle of the chaos and take time to connect with Jesus. And it reminds me of the story in the Bible about Mary and Martha. And I'll read it right now, just a short segment in Luke 10, 38 through 42. And it says, And Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. (laughs) But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. And there is only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary had discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. You know, honestly, I feel like I relate to Martha more, if I can be honest. I want to be like Mary, laid back and so content just sitting with Jesus and not feeling worried about all the details. Like, I want that. But I, too, get caught up in the details, and it makes me frustrated, not just inwardly, but I'll admit that even towards others. Just like Martha was getting upset with Mary. I mean, have you ever been like that? I'm working so hard. Mary, where are you? Like, get in this kitchen, girl. You know, she was getting irritated. Not only inwardly was she frustrated, but it began to affect the way she was feeling towards those around her. You know, there are many great lessons to learn from both of these women. Martha wanted to please and serve Jesus. And Mary wanted to simply bask in his presence. And both are good things. But where do you find yourself today? Do you feel burnt out and frustrated with all that you have to do? Or do you feel at peace as you sit with Jesus knowing he has it all under control? You know, during this holiday season and the seasons of life in general and the ones to come, I want to remind you to not forget about Jesus. He is right there with you. He loves you. He's on your side and he wants your heart over all of your great works. I'll say that again. He wants you, your heart over all of your greatest works. He would rather choose to simply be with you than for you to try to earn his love and approval by all the good things you can do. It is your heart that he is pursuing. He wants you to give him your heart. And know that he can be trusted with every part of your life. And in the same way, I want to remind you to not forget to stop in the midst of the busyness during this season and enjoy your family. You know, when it's all crazy and there's so much to do, so many meals to cook, and all we want to do is sit with our kids, but who's going to do everything else? But I encourage you to stop, not just when there's nothing to do, even if there's a lot to do and take moments to just sit with your kids or whatever that have a moment with your kids, even if the water's already boiling in the kitchen or we'll be careful, right? Or the laundry just beeped again. You got to switch the load. So you have all your, you know, all your clothes ready, whatever it is, just stop in the midst of the busyness and enjoy your family. 
and don't forget about Jesus. And I'll share this last verse in Revelations 2, 2 through 4. And it says, it says, I know all the things that you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. He's talking to moms, <laughs> your hard work and your patient endurance. Well, he's talking to the church in real life, like the actual revelations is hardcore. But imagine your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So Jesus is saying, you've done hard work. You've been patient. You don't put up with, you know, wicked people. And, and you haven't quit. You've been suffering and you haven't quit. But he says this, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. You have lost your first love. And that's speaking to me a lot. I've, I've read this before and like, oh gosh, like, am I loving you, Jesus? Am I really, am I doing all this work and busyness and not giving up and being hard work and being patient? But Jesus, you are my first love. I remember when I first gave my life to you, I was, all I wanted to do was worship. All I wanted to do was sit and read the Bible. Fast forward, you become so, you know, um, overwhelmed with all that you have to do for your family, for your kids and for Jesus that, are we sitting here saying, oh, I just want to read the Bible today. I can't wait to just have worship. You know, honestly, as the years went on, that wasn't my first thought. But when I first fell in love with Jesus, that's all I wanted to do. And so he's reminding us, come back to the basics and come back to me, your first love. Everything else and all these details don't matter sometimes. But it's about your connection and relationship with Jesus. You know, in the midst of the holidays and the gifts, let's remember to share what's most important and what the reason for the season truly is with our kids. How can we share Jesus with our kids during the holidays? You know, we talk about Santa, we talk about gifts, we have all this food, right? And all that's great. And Jesus is the reason, tis the season, right? But I encourage you for your family, all of our families are different. But try to say and think about how can I include and ensure that whether my kid is two months, five years old, three years old, or 10 or a teenager, how can I take a moment and say, let's really talk about Jesus during this time. And something that um, I decided that we're going to do, something really small and fun, and I, I've been wanting to do it. I don't think we did it the past since our kids have really been born, I think I've done it before, but because they've been so little and now, you know, I feel like two and three and then pops. Anyways, I think they'll be able to participate this year. And I want to begin to do this every year with them is simply making a birthday cake for Jesus. You know, it's Jesus's birthday, right? Whether, you know, some other uh, religious scholars would be like, no, it's not actually, well, I don't care. I'm going to celebrate his birthday. That's my personal standpoint on that. Like if it's today or not, happy birthday, Jesus. And so we're going to buy a cake and I'm going to have the girls uh, make it with me. It's going to get messy and I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm going to tell him we're making this cake for Jesus. It's his birthday. We're going to bake it. We're going to ice it and we're going to sing him happy birthday. And I want to begin to implement that each year to really let them be a part of celebrating Jesus and making it fun. It's probably um, going to be a little bit messier than I'm explaining. Who knows how it's going to go, but that is my hopes and I'm excited for it. But how can you incorporate bringing Jesus into your time this year for Christmas?
And I encourage you to think about it and let God make something fun and creative for y'all. But don't forget about Jesus. And, you know, so today we talked about giving my all. We talked about the heart of serving. We talked about the twisted culture and how it's totally opposite from what God leads us to do. And we ended with, don't forget about Jesus. And I really pray that today's message spoke to you in a specific way. Thank you for staying on. I know it's a little bit more lengthy today. But before we close out and open up for our feedback questions, I want to give you all the opportunity as we pray real quick. If you're listening today and you realize, man, like I've been caught up in the busyness. I feel like I have been giving my all and I'm just overwhelmed and I feel empty. And maybe you're saying, you know, in your heart today, like, Jesus, I need, I truly need you. Like I, maybe I think I've forgotten a little bit about my true love for you. I've gotten overwhelmed and distracted. And if you're here today and, and you want to really make that decision to allow Jesus to come into your heart and to make that decision to follow him, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're at a place where you're like, Jesus, I'm just ready to come back to you. I've been on the fence or I've just been kind of caught up in my own world. But if that is you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You can let me know um, if you're willing so I can continue praying with you. But know that this decision is a personal and powerful decision to just give your heart to Jesus, to trust him with your life and to know that he loves you. And so pray this prayer after me if you want to accept or really rededicate your heart to him. And just pray, God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you in the midst of busyness and seasons of life that it is you, Jesus, that I need. I want to sit at your feet and I want to welcome you into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. Make me new. You are the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. I believe that God raised you from the dead, and you are my King. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a powerful prayer, and I want you to know um, that I am here with you, and that Jesus is here with you, and that that is one of the best decisions that you could ever make. And again, I shared in 2008, that's when I made my decision to truly accept Jesus in my heart and my life honestly has been completely changed and never the same. And so, um, I hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to connect with you. Follow Revive Moms on Instagram and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If Revive Moms has been life-giving to you, then we'd love to connect with you as a church family. To learn more about Gravetop Church, visit gravetop.com or follow us on social media at Gravetop Church. Thanks for listening.